Well, if you are here for the first time uh, at Windsor Road, we're just so happy that you're here. And we're in a series of messages over the Old Testament book of Proverbs, and we've just been studying different topics as they have come throughout this book. And this morning, we're going to be talking about forging strong families. And so for our scripture reading, um, I'm going to be sharing a selected passages from Proverbs that deal with forging strong families. And I would just ask that you turn your attention toward the screen as I read these verses. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Even a child makes himself known by his acts, by whether his conduct is pure and upright. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes delight in my ways. Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your heart to my knowledge, for it will be pleasant if you keep them within you. If all of them are ready on your lips, that your trust may be in the Lord, I have made them known to you today, even to you. This is God's word. Sarah Reinertsen, Sarah Reinertsen, when she was seven years old, she suffered from a tissue disease that ultimately led to uh, the amputation of her left leg above her knee. And she recalls being fitted for a prosthetic and having to go through physical therapy, but she never learned how to run. And so she dreaded gym class, because in gym class, they play games and they do sports, and the basis of about every sport is running. And she recalls just with dread having to go to that class and sitting on the sidelines and daydreaming of having real legs. She says, I just wish my legs would grow so that I could play with the rest of my friends in gym class. That was her life. That was her life until one weekend, her father, who was an avid roadrunner, uh, participated in a 10K race, and he dragged uh, Sarah and her brother to this race because he had heard that there was a runner there who was an amputee who was going to participate in the race. And Sarah caught a glimpse of this runner, of her, and her life was changed. She saw this woman run gracefully, Um, swiftly, in a strong manner. And in fact, Sarah went to the finish line to see this woman complete this race. And afterwards, she went up to the woman, and her name was uh, uh, Patty. And Patty had been, like her, in a situation where her left leg was amputated, and she was fitted with a prosthetic. And she had a physical trainer, and that physical trainer taught her how to run. And 
And that's when Patty and Sarah struck up this life-changing relationship. Listen to what she said. I met Patty's coach, a physical therapist who volunteered his time to teach me how to run. It took me multiple sessions to figure out how to run, but once I mastered it, I felt strong and powerful, and for the first time in my life, I felt whole. And nearly three decades later, I am still running. She says, I've completed many marathons. I can't imagine my life without running. I don't think uh, I'll stop until my heart does. I run because I'm still making up for all those childhood years of play that I missed out on. I run because I want to use the body that I was given, whatever its imperfections. I run to stay off the sidelines. I run to be in the race. Quite simply, she says, I run because I can. Sarah Reinertsen. Now, her story is really what uh, my main scripture in Proverbs is, is about. It's what Proverbs 22, verse 6 looks like in real life from the father who started her on this path to where she found this role model. And this role model fed her and encouraged her, and she's still running three decades later. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Some parents listen to that verse and hear that story like Sarah's, and they just get fired up about the challenge and the calling and the vocation of Uh, parenting, the idea of having a child in your household for two decades and pouring yourself into that child and influencing and forging your child, I mean, that just cranks parents up to no end. Some hear this verse in Proverbs chapter 22, 6, and they completely feel overwhelmed. How in the world am I going to be able to train up my child in the way he should go or in the way she should go, especially in the midst of this broken, fallen world, this world of disappointments, this world that splashes its ugliness not only on me but on my child and just feelings of over, overwhelm, uh, overwhelming come over. And then there are parents who read Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, and they're immediately turned off. And we may have some parents here today, and their story goes something like this. Pastor, don't talk to me about 22.6. I brought my kid to church. I took my kid to Sunday school class. I paid for church camp. We went to the Dominican Republic together. And it just took one semester at a Big Ten university to make them forget God. So don't preach at me. I don't want to hear it. There's a lot of hurt and anger. A lot of hurt and anger. But it's right here, though. What are we going to do with Proverbs 22.6? 
Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Well, well before we get to 22.6, I think we need to first talk about the word proverb. Proverb. Notice it says Proverbs 22.6, not Promises 22.6. These Proverbs that we've been reading here over the course of this series, they're not ironclad guarantees. They were never written to communicate such. They're not bulletproof promises. What is a proverb? A proverb is a generally accepted truth about how life usually works in the world. That's what a proverb is. And so, for instance, if we take another proverb like Proverbs 10.4, A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Is that a promise or a proverb? Well, it's a proverb. It is. Generally speaking, lazy people come to poverty. They just no work, no eat. That's a slack hand causes poverty. But there are exceptions. Every now and then, a sluggard strikes oil in his backyard. Go figure. And generally speaking, the hand of the diligent makes rich. You work hard, you're going to be able to earn a living and make a good living and support yourself and your family and be generous enough for others. Generally speaking, that's true. And yes, yes, there have been periods in history when the hard work of others have only enriched the lives of others. I'm thinking of the dark period in our country's history with slavery. But this doesn't negate the truth of this proverb, the principle. Generally speaking, in Proverbs 22.6, parents who take the time and are conscientious and pay attention to putting their children on the path to wisdom, generally speaking, those children are going to have wisdom all their life. And generally speaking, parents who go AWOL on teaching their child wisdom, their children aren't going to find it, you see. So, so we need to remember that these are proverbs. These are proverbs. And, and, and I hope that you would just, just, just breathe some sense of sigh of relief because you've been beating yourself up over your children. And the fact of the matter is, our children have minds of their own. And if you're going to believe Proverbs 22.6, you also need to believe the verse that we read earlier In Proverbs chapter 20, verse 11, even a child makes himself known by his acts, by whether his conduct is pure and upright. So, so Proverbs. Proverb, a generally accepted truth about how life usually works in God's world. Now let's talk about 22.6. Especially that phrase, train up a child in the way he should go. In the way he should go. What does that mean? The way he should go. Well, in the study this past week, I found um, several layers to this phrase. The way he should go. And I want to talk about three of those layers this morning. The way he should go deals with delighting your child in their God-given design. Delighting your child in their God-given design. 
Secondly, it deals with directing your child in the way of wisdom, directing your child in the way of wisdom, and then thirdly, dedicating your child to his or her eternal destiny. The way he should go deals with delighting, directing, and dedicating. So let's talk about these three truths as we examine this proverb, beginning with delight. The way he should go means to delight in your child's God-given design. Now, one of the English translations over Proverbs 22.6 comes by way of the Amplified Bible. And this is how the Amplified Bible translates 22.6. It's up on the screen. Train up a child in the way he should go... And in keeping with his individual gift or bent, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So that translation or that version, that English version of 22.6, really talks about delighting in your child's God-given design. So according to this truth, your child has a way, his way, her way, his mannerisms, her temperament. God has granted your child a God-given shape, skills, personality. Your child is not a lump of clay, and mom and dad, you're not the potter. Your child is not a blank slate, and mom and dad, you're not the painter. Your child is born with a set of characteristics, a way, and it is the parent's role to discover and then delight in your child's unique gifts and abilities, all with the understanding that our kids are different. They're different. And I think this explains something that mystifies us as parents. And you've seen it, and so have I. And it goes something like this. A family has three children in their home, and mom and dad knock themselves out to treat each of those children the same. They grow up in the same house, live under the same roof, they eat the same food, they go to the same school, worship at the same church. Mom and dad are very careful to be equal and the same regarding birthday gifts and Christmas gifts, they want to treat each child consistently. And what happens? Two of the three children flourish. Two of them thrive. Two are able to go to school and excel and support themselves and marry. But one child, one child causes a heartache from day one. One child turns a family upside down and inside out. One child pushes every boundary and every limit. One child raises the stress level in the home uh, more than all the other children combined. Life is hard. School is hard. Friends are hard. It's just hard. Parents are baffled. What did we do wrong? What did we do wrong? The flip side is equally baffling, right? Three children grow up in a highly dysfunctional home. And dad works too hard and drinks too much. And mom is sullen and depressed all of the time. And, and those, those parents are destined to destroy those kids one at a time. And sure enough, for two of the children, it happens just as predicted. But one child survives. And that one child not only survives, but thrives and does well. And 
has this depth of character that just astounds everyone. How did you who came from there get to this? Well, this proverb tells us, right? The wild card, the variable, is the uniqueness of each child. You know our kids are different. And some of our kids are strong-willed. Some of them are compliant. Some of our kids are born with an olive branch in their mouth and an open hand. Other kids are born with a cigar in their mouth and a beer in one hand. Some kids are born and they just say to mom and dad, I love you. Other kids are born and say, I'm going to push you every day for the next 20 years. It's going to get ugly. (laughs) Some of our kids are social butterflies. Some like to be by themselves. Some line their toys up in neatly ordered rows. And others just like total disarray. Some are laid back. Whatever. Others go, where are we going? Who's going with us? When are we going to get there? You get it. You understand. You're thinking of your child, right? Some are risk takers. Let me try. I want to try. Some are risk averse. Not me. Uh-uh. No. One child doesn't have an uncommunicated feeling in their body. And the other child, their internal world runs very, very deep. Some are mechanical. Some are analytical. Some can write. Some can paint. Some can speak. Some can lead groups. Some can do all of the above. Some like to be up front. Others like to be backstage. They're different, aren't they? And so to train up then means to discover and delight. To train up means that mom and dad... What would it be like to compose a profile on each of our children and to try to figure out what turns their crank and to expose them to a wide range of opportunities and possibilities and then to delight in their uniqueness, to delight in that. Oh, Johnny, I, I think you would be a great teacher. Teachers have the opportunity to influence and impact others. Well, Mary, of course, you want to be a carpenter? I don't see why not. You like the plan. You like to execute. You like, to, you like precision. You're great at building. Oh, you want to be in law enforcement? Awesome. You've got a keen moral compass, and you have that temperament that balances uh, stress with self-discipline. Oh, you want to be a pro golfer? Well, okay. Not everybody makes the tour, and those that don't teach others to play or become club pros or preachers or something significant like that. (laughs) Delighting in your children, delighting in your children is something that is, is within our reach. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Delighting in your child is easy if your child is like you. Yeah. But are your children like you? You know, how easy is it for an extroverted mom to delight in an introverted daughter? Isn't it, e- isn't it easier for wonder women to, to rear wonder daughters? Hmm? Or tiger moms to want tiger daughters? Or what about the dad 
who likes to swim with the sharks, it's kind of tough if his boy just doesn't have that killer instinct. See? You see? See, this proverb reminds us that your child's way is your child's way, not your way. It's his way. It's a God-given design. And our ministry, our ministry is to discover what that is and then delight in it and encourage it. And much of what we see in the realm of parenting in the book of Proverbs is about encouragement, affirming, putting them on that right path, and watching them soar. All right, that's truth number one with Proverbs 22.6. Delighting in their God-given design. But the way he should go also has another layer, and that has to do with direction. Direction, directing your child in the way of wisdom. In the way of wisdom. Now, this dovetails with what we have learned throughout our series over Proverbs, because Proverbs tells us that there are two ways. There is the way of wisdom and the way of folly. There's the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. There's the way of the fool and the way of the wise. And as parents, it is a part of our vocation, our calling, to lead them on the path of wisdom. And wise is the parent who understands that their child is not born with a heart that hungers for wisdom. I mean, think about it. When I was growing up, I never said, Dad, I would love to drink from the well of your wisdom. I never said that. (laughs) Ever. And neither have my sons. See? See? In fact, I don't know of any child-rearing seminars that train our children to be foolish because they seem to have a pretty good task at doing that by themselves. They don't need to be trained to be foolish. And I think that's what's behind Proverbs 22.15. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. In the heart of a child. Now, we saw this lovely PowerPoint show a little while ago about our beautiful angels, parents who spent hours preparing the nursery and Rooms and clothing and dresser drawers, table stand, crib. Parents who lovingly cradle their newborn. And then they read Proverbs twenty-two fifteen. Folly is bound in the heart of a child. And then they say, well, Randy said it earlier. You know, it's generally true. My child's the exception. Just wait. Give it three years. Okay? Yeah. Now you know why Proverbs twenty-two fifteen says on the back half... But the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Now then, yes, it can mean corporal punishment. But what you need to understand is that the word rod of discipline is a word picture for authority. And so to train up then means to direct. It means mom and dad, you're in charge. You're the parent. You are God's agent. You represent God to your child. In fact, this A priestly vocation of parenting is embedded in the Ten Commandments. It is. Think about it. 
The first four commandments of the Ten Commandments deal with our relationship with God. The last five commandments are horizontal. They deal with our relationship with one another. The fifth commandment, the honor your father and mother commandment, well, that, you see, mom and dad, that's going to be the very first picture of God that your child sees. You're the go-between between your child and the God you worship. And, and so you see your influence, your direction in, re, in the realm of discipline. It's not about you and the child. It's about the child and the Lord. The child and the Lord. And so Proverbs is the curriculum. And in your home, you are the headmaster of the school of wisdom. Mom and dad, you are your child's primary homeroom teacher. Mom and dad, you are your child's primary pastor. And so starting at a very early age, children need to be directed about poisonous containers and fiddling with matches and playing in the street. And then they need direction about the quality of the friends that they make and the effects of chemical abuse and and what can happen when you fail to wear a seatbelt and how miserable you can be when you marry the wrong spouse. To train up means be the parent. Be the parent. And listen, if I don't take responsibility to direct my child in the way of wisdom, how am I going to... Expect them to follow the direction of other authority figures. And we liberty-loving Americans just don't like the A word, authority. But you know, even in the land of freedom, authority is a way of life. And if you don't believe that, just go try to blow through a school speed limit zone tomorrow. You'll see the authorities quickly. Children who fail to follow Their parents often fail to follow their school teachers and their bosses and the police and the state. And here's the deal. If the state has to make my child follow directions, are they going to do it in a way that adds to or takes away their freedom? Isn't that why they put barbed wire fences around prisons? Furthermore, isn't it more costly when the state has to monitor the child's behavior? Someone's got to pay for the monitors. So there's a moral component to this verse. So much so that one commentator thought that this verse was a form of sarcasm. Sounding like this. Well, go ahead. Train up a a child in the way he thinks he should go. Spoil them rotten while they're young. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Ouch. But here's the deal. We, we don't just direct them so that they will make us look good as parents. We don't just put them on the right path so that you know, people will see what great moms and dads we are. What did that verse in Proverbs say? We direct them, we guide them, we love them, we put them on the path, Proverbs chapter twenty-two, nineteen. that your trust may be in the Lord. I have made them known to you today, even to you. Why do we put them on the path to wisdom? Because we want them to love God. We want them to trust God. We want them to taste and see that the Lord is good. 
the way he should go, delighting in their design, directing them toward the path of wisdom, and then dedicating them toward their eternal destiny. And to me, this is the most inspirational part of this proverb. Because, you see, this verse was originally taught to squires. Noble young men and women in the court of Israel. The nobility first heard these words. And so the parents would say, My son, this is who you are. This is your identity. Now then, here is what it looks like to live in light of who you are. Who you are. And for us, it means this. Paul says in Ephesians 1, God has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. The apostle John said in Revelation chapter 1 that Jesus loves us and he has freed us from our sins by his blood and he has made us a kingdom of priests. This church is a part of this royal kingdom of priesthood. That's who you are now. Our calling is to live in light of who we are in Christ toward our destiny. My small group just completed an excellent uh, book called Soul Keeping, and there's a quote in it. It's by Dallas Willard, who uh, died last year. He was a philosophy uh, professor at the University of Southern California, and this is what he wrote. You are an unceasing spiritual being with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. You're an unceasing spiritual being with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. And that's true for your child too. They're unceasing spiritual beings with an eternal destiny. And that changes everything. It changes everything. So God has called you to train your child to go to heaven. And that is the ultimate way he should go. And how do you help your child get there? Well, the word tra uh, train up means to dedicate, to dedicate your child to Christ. There's more to life. There is more to life than the best school or the best job or the best traveling sports team. Do not raise your child for the American dream. There's a better dream, a better dream, the priesthood of the kingdom of, of men and women who have been bought by the blood of Jesus. That word translated train up is related to an Arabic verb that was used of rubbing the palate of the newborn child with a date mixture to get the child to take in food, you see. To accustom that child to taste and then to motivate that child to take it in. And so our calling is to influence our children to taste the Lord. And the best way they can taste the Lord is for them to see that in your life. Because our children, they detect hypocrisy and they also detect sincerity. And your statement of faith on paper means nothing if it doesn't show up in your life. So follow me as I follow Christ means read the gospel of my life and imitate it. Speak the truth as I speak the truth. Work hard as I work hard. Rest as I rest. 
Treat your mother as I treat your mother. Only a truth lived is a truth believed. And if you want your child to be passionate for Christ, they've got to see that passion in you. And you dedicate your child to Christ by dedicating yourself to Christ first so enthusiastically that your child tastes that goodness when he or she sees that goodness in your life. That's why Proverbs 23, 26 says, My son, give me your heart. Give me your heart and let your eyes delight in my ways. Ways that follow the way. Delight in the true king. The king who left his throne of splendor to repair the brokenness of this world. The king who put on human flesh. The king who lived as a peasant rabbi. The king who spoke as no one spoke and lived as no one lived. The king who to secure Our inheritance suffered our punishment for our folly that would have surely separated us from our destiny, the destiny that he has put out for us. And he did all of this by grace. And we respond by faith. By grace through faith, we've been delivered from one kingdom, the kingdom of folly, into the kingdom of wisdom, righteousness, and love. And so we look at our children and we say, son, daughter, this is who you are. This is who we are. We are a family of destiny. You're my son. And more important than that, you are my son. You are my daughter of our heavenly father. And you can't do anything to make God love you more. You can only trust what his son, our king, our savior, Jesus Christ did for us and 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 when he is old he will not depart from it let's pray